show you're about to hear discusses films, books, and TV shows in their entirety, twists, endings, and all, without fear of spoilers. So if you don't want to know who dies, who done it, or how it all ends, we strongly advise you switch off now. Hello, I'm Paul Tyler and welcome to Spoiler, the show which reviews movies, books and TV shows in their entirety. This week we've been watching Bob Fosse's 1972 musical Cabaret. And if you've not seen it yet, here's one final warning. We will be talking about the ending of the movie. We will ruin it for you. So if you've not seen Cabaret yet, go away, watch it now, then come back to us afterwards. Have they gone? Right, on with the show. A grim 1930s Berlin during the rise of the Nazi party is perhaps an unlikely setting for a musical. Throw in a bit of bisexuality, an abortion, a threesome and some general kinkiness and it's clear that Cabaret is no singing in the rain. Based on a Tony Award-winning Broadway show, Bob Fosse's 1972 big-screen adaption made a star of Liza Minnelli in the role of the chaotic bohemian nightclub singer Sally Bowles. <laughs> That's me, darling. Unusual places, unusual love affairs. I am a most strange and extraordinary person. But casting the role of Brian, her English love interest, wasn't so easy. No less than 20 actors auditioned, including Timothy Dalton, Malcolm McDowell, Jeremy Irons and even... Hello, pet. Paul Nicholas, before the role finally went to Michael York. I've gone through the motions of sleeping with girls exactly three times. All of them disastrous. The musical numbers in the movie all take place within the sleazy glamour of the Kit Kat Club, with one notable exception, a shocking rendition of Tomorrow Belongs to Me, performed by a member of the Hitler Youth in a rural beer garden. The song has often been mistaken for a genuine Nazi anthem and led to the writers John Kander and Fred Ebb being accused of anti-Semitism, despite the fact that they're both Jewish. This fact has not stopped openly racist rock groups from recording the song and performing it at white power rallies. Released less than three decades after the end of the Second World War, when memories of Nazi atrocities were still fresh in the collective memory, Cabaret was always going to be controversial. But it proved to be an immediate sensation, going on to receive ten Oscar nominations and winning no less than eight, a record yet to be equaled. And the winner is Liza Minnelli. The winner is... Joel Grey and Cabaret. And the winner is... Bob Fosse for Cabaret. Critics loved it too, with Variety calling it literate, bawdy, sophisticated, sensual, cynical, heartwarming and disturbingly thought-provoking. So does Cabaret stand the test of time? Is it still shocking today? And is it really the perfect musical for people who hate musicals? I'll be the same Bientôt. 
Later in the show, we'll be taking a closer look at other musicals for people who hate musicals. And we have another of our hotly contested music quizzes to look forward to. Uh, but first, joining us are the rest of the spoiler ensemble, uh, one of which is a man who is about to burst into song at any moment. It's Andy Goulding. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And a woman with a look in her eye that suggests she might just announce to the whole world that we're going to do the show right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rachel Burnett. Hello. Okay, Rachel, this whole cabaret thing, right? It's yeah. a lesson... A perfect lesson in understatement, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, it's, it's so understated, you can barely tell what the thing's about. It's um, it's incredibly flamboyant, there's lots going on. It's amazing, actually. I haven't watched it in years, and um, I've always loved it. I've watched it loads and loads of times years and years ago, and then haven't watched it for a good decade or more. I'd forgotten how good it was. I'd forgotten how fantastic. And actually, the, now I'm older as well, it means even more. I think it changes as you get older, and the more you appreciate things to do with the Nazis and what's going to happen and also just the directorial genius of it as well which you're frowning which I think maybe you don't agree with me it's an opinion but- <laughs> um, it's, it's, all, all opinions are available and uh, you know we, we know we like a difference of opinion uh, we do. and it's important I think to uh, offer, offer balance Andy now bearing in mind our whole friendship may end on your reply of this <laughs> um, what are you going to tell me right well uh, <laughs> With that in mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a, a controversial opening gambit. Controversial. Then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this uh, film, Cabaret, was one of the Oscar darlings of the year when The Godfather won Best Picture. Oh damn it! I had a, I had a question earlier, and someone was going to get a point, whatever that. Means. <laughs> I mean, quite what you would do sorry, with that point, I don't know. Really. It wasn't going to get you a free copy. I don't, we both would have known the answers to that. Was, yeah, to be honest, I knew, I knew you would. It's not like our usual quizzes where I don't know anything. <laughs> it's, it's to do with that, and I was going to say, oh, I was going to look clever and everything. Right, sorry, Andy. Go on. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is. I think Cabaret's a better film than The Godfather. <laughs> Obviously, My. I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> My. I, oh. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to go on. <laughs> the, 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 the pubs are open and I'm, I'm about to go and prop up the bar. This is, <laughs> this is depressing that you think such a thing. So you're with us all the way then, Paul? Oh, I... I an amount of me is torn on this because I know that, oh, you know, there's a famous film critic that, uh, that actually when, when we interviewed him um, for our, our, our previous programme, The Reading Room, I put it to him that quite a lot of the time he does say there are good things in it. And he seemed horrified when I said that to him. He didn't seem very happy. And I thought it was actually quite a good thing that, you know, even in a film that he doesn't like, he can see good things. Um, and that's where I stand on this. Um, you know, I might as well uh, copy The Good Doctor on it but uh, and just sort of say, I can see, I understand where you're coming from, but it doesn't affect me. Do you know what, I think a lot of this a lot of this really comes down to my irritation, absolute irritation at Sally, the character of Sally (laughs) that is like an 8 year old that's been given too many sweets and fizzy pop it's just just annoying if this came on on a Sunday night on film 4 I'd have probably given it a go you look at it, you think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a film I should perhaps like, Oscar winning. You know, Andy and Rachel probably tell me it'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you're the people that told me a separation was good, and I watched it, and it was, so I would listen to you. <laughs> and now look. <laughs> look at where we are. And I would no, I would, I would have just turned it off. It would just have been, you know, far too annoying. She's like, do you remember, have you, either of you ever played the Wii, the, the Nintendo Wii? Yeah. Mm. Okay, so um, there are, when, when they do the talking in there, but it actually comes up on the screen, there's a character there that goes, it talks, and he goes, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and that's just what <laughs> Sally's like. And some of the direction in this film as well, I, I really dislike it. It's, it's all over the place. It's not there. Um, they're having one conversation which splits between morning, noon and night. And it's the same conversation. And they're in different locations for all of it. It's just, you know, in places, it's just 
ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But the undercurrent uh, and the nastiness that's inside it as well um, and evolving and, 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 and the way I can relate to that as, as to me having arguments with people who vote UKIP is, is, is important and it's there and it's recognisable and, um, you know, there's a director's cut to be had out of this film, I think. Mm. Uh, you take the music out of it. Uh, for a start, um, and but that's it. Uh, sometimes, some points. I'm sorry. I realise I'm taking over. I'm supposed to be hosting the show, but I'm a man alive. You, you get you get to some points where. Um, that it's starting to become good. You know, there's drama involved in there, and you know she stopped being annoying, and they're having good conversations. There's something serious happening. There's a serious undertone, and then they just cut away to some club with some fellow with white powdered face starts sticking his tongue out or something. I don't know, and and then just it just becomes bizarre. But that is that does serve a purpose. It's not like they're just chucking a song in because oh let's chuck a song in. Those songs well, what, no, they normally like punctuate me. something that's happening. So um, say for example with. Um, if you could see her through my eyes, that um, yeah, you know, one with the gorilla, which probably like, surprised the hell out of you. Like, why the hell is he singing to gorilla? Yes. But then at the end, you said she wouldn't look Jewish at all. The whole idea is that this this Kit Kat Club is the height of hedonism. It's like you know everything that the Nazis are going to stamp down on, and it's it, it does serve a purpose. It's like look at all this stuff that's going on at the end when it goes into the mirror and it's all distorted and you can see that now that the brown shirts are in there and that this is really going to get clamped down on now. Um, the stage play is more um, explicit about what's going to happen to these people in the Kit Kat, Kit Kat Club. But um, yeah, it's sort of, it does punctuate. It's quite, they are important songs. I mean, maybe this time, that sort of Sally singing about, maybe with Brian there is a chance that they could have a proper settled down relationship. It's not just like, oh, it's a pleasant song to put in here. Mm, yeah, it's, it's got yeah. a meaning. A oh. crucial point to make at this point as well, I think, is that uh, not every song is is a good song. And, no. they, and they know that that is the case. I mean, yeah. no one is going to defend two ladies <laughs> as no. a good song. And they know that that's a ridiculous yeah. song. But that when that comes in, is during... During the love triangle, isn't it, mm. with the with Maximilian and Brian and Sally, mm. and that says so much about sort of attitudes towards homosexuality that that comes in at this point where there's a love triangle and it's actually two men, but it's coming on two ladies. So that every song has something to say about what what's mm. going on in the in the plot at the time. Yeah, and I think uh, what you were saying, Paul, about you get you start to get into it and then a song pops up. I think it's that kind of a, that's one of the things that I really like about about cabaret is that you could take the songs out. I mean, I think the songs are really enhance it, but you could take the songs out and you've got a really good solid plot there, which is not necessarily common in musicals. I mean, if you go to Greece and take all the songs out of Greece, you've got nothing. There's nothing there at all. Well, you see, I got frustrated by the acting in Greece and just getting in the way of the songs. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, you can't please exactly, me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly the point, is that yeah. the Greece is absolutely reliant on its songs, whereas Cabaret absolutely isn't. And um, there's enough of a plot there, and you're absolutely right, that you could take them all out. But all that does is just is just punctuate and it also brings you in a different audience if you had um, a film about the rise of Nazis in Berlin you'd get a certain type of audience if you then put these songs in and say Liza Minnelli's in it and Joel Grey's in it you get a whole other audience so it's I don't know I, I absolutely get where you're coming from is this the first time you've seen it? Yes, yeah, right. you see, it's funny. Who suggested this one? Uh, we both yeah, did, we both. but independently yes, of each did, other, totally amazingly. Did. I you did. Now, I, when you first suggested it, I thought we were watching Chicago. Yeah. Okay. I think you'd enjoy that more. <laughs> I think I've, I've seen Chicago. I can't remember if I enjoyed it or not. Pro- mm. Probably so not. So probably didn't. Probably, pro- <laughs> probably not. It's funny, you know, I have a history of musicals. I mean, I'm, I'm taking that I'm in a room with two people who love musicals, right? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. When you look at your history uh, with Disney films, I mean, they're all <laughs> cartoon musicals, aren't they? I suppose, yeah, Andy. So, um, I don't know. You see, it's, I don't want to be a person that doesn't like musicals, but I think I just am. It's like jazz. Mm. Don't look at me like that, Rachel. <laughs> so, um, wash your mouth. <laughs> but but you see, it's a funny thing because when I, I've enjoyed being in musicals. I was in musicals at school. I was in Annie uh, at school, uh, played President Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. And because of my lack of singing ability, they allowed me. They allowed me to talk the words. Oh, fantastic! To, to well, hello, Rex, Rex Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, thank you very much. And uh, also, uh, Lieutenant Hannigan in Guys and Dolls. Yes. Another another non-singing role. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I was I, I joined the chorus for that at one point but I did enjoy it is there a, any maybe I should have been in like, what about Singing in the Rain or know, Guys and I, Dolls or, I, I you seen, haven't seen them seen you can't them. say you well, hate musicals if you haven't seen them <laughs> <laughs> even, I did, even after being in Guys and Dolls I don't think I, I wanted to go and see it oh, um, it's interesting that you, you lump it you lump Cabaret in with other musicals mm. though because it, it's so it was a massive game changer I mean this was it's no longer kind of people bursting into song in Wait. the back of a hay wagon and stuff it was <laughs> all I would, I would argue. I would argue that it's not a game changer because it's Probably, probably does stand out on its own. I, I, as I said, there are, there are things in it. Well, I might find one of those in a minute that I enjoyed. But since then, what, what, musical-wise, I mean, educate me because I, obviously I've, it's missed me. I don't think it is a game-changer because they all still go back to let's do the show right here. <laughs> I don't think they do. I, I don't know of many musicals nowadays that... Well, I don't know many musicals nowadays. No, actually. That's, that's the thing. I, I think suppose, it killed yeah. them. I think. I think after that, right. people. In which case, <laughs> it you love it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that whole that golden era of musicals, as it's called, the sort of you know singing in the rain and carousel and all that kind of MGM stuff, that was not acceptable after Cabaret to do yeah. that kind of you know we're putting on a show. <laughs> yeah, see, it's, it's funny because I, I've written down here. I'll give you the choreography because there were moments in it that I was you know floored by. I thought, wow, yeah, that's. Mm. Flawed. It's Bob Fosse. No, I don't know. Bob Fosse's one of the best choreographers ever. And I don't think that's particularly something that anyone's going to argue with. Think, He's yeah. a genius. And the, the costumes, I'll, I'll give you the costumes. I'll give you the well, costumes. a lot of the costumes are based on Otto, well, the whole look of it, the whole aesthetic was based on um, Otto Dix, a German expressionist painter. And in fact, there's one shot of a woman with a large monocle. She, at the beginning in the, in the Kit Kat Club, she sat there and she's just holding a cigarette and there's a monocle. And that is directly lifted from one of his portraits. Yeah, so, you know, there are things we can agree on. You can tell by the tone of my voice, can't you? Hey. Um, but, you know, the imagery on the whole, but I mean, I think IMDb put this really well, or someone on idea IMDb, somewhere along the line. It was a parent's guide, and it mm-hmm. said it had gaudy and suggestive dancing. I like the word gaudy. It's very gaudy. Yeah. It's mm. very gaudy. Isn't it? What I absolutely loved, and I'm going to throw this in, and why this film would not be made in the same way now. I loved the jiggly bottoms of the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> they had cellulite and you could see it. And I thought, you know, I love that. And they're all pasty and it didn't matter. And I thought, wow, even Liza, you know, she's a trained dancer. She's got a dancer's body, but she was not really toned. She was not really skinny. She was not Rennie Zellweger in Chicago, all sticks and bones. And um, I thought, I love this because actually in a, in a cabaret club in that time, There'd have been some rough types in a club like that. <laughs> if they were really beautiful and amazing, they'd be in Hollywood, you know. And I thought they were great. I loved the ladies. I thought they were wonderful. That's absolutely crucial, isn't that realism of the yeah. club? And so that's why why those uh, those that choreography is so impressive because it's it's someone who's it's, I mean Bob Fosse is like his track record with choreography, mm. and yet he, he's got to do it on this small scale. So he made he managed to make them. So impressive, but so sort of realistic. You mm. feel like you're in this sweaty, claustrophobic mm. little club watching it. Yeah, it's very clever. Okay, so well, we're going to have some more gaudiness very soon. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but later, Rachel is going to be taking a look at some other movie musicals for people who hate musicals. And Andy's going to be testing mine and Rachel's musical knowledge. I mean, I'm really scared. Know, I, I can't, you, you know, I've we, tried my best, Paul, to make it uh, to make it fair. Tip the balance a little in your favour, maybe even. Oh, good. <laughs> so we, I, I can't, don't recall Oasis making it. <laughs> uh, so that's all after this short break. Now, this is the slightly awkward bit of the show where we pass the hat around. Making a podcast isn't expensive, but there are some costs we need to cover. And to be honest, it would also be nice to have a few quid to keep us supplied with coffee and vegan biscuits. You can help the show by visiting our webpage, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, clicking on the donate button and giving whatever you think we're worth. Alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, you can do that via the links on our website and we get a few pennies each time. So that's spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Or you can help us out for free and get yourself an audiobook of your choice into the bargain by signing up for a free 30-day trial with Audible via the link on our website. Audible have the world's largest selection of audiobooks, including Berlin Diary, the journal of a foreign correspondent, 1934 to 1941, by William L. Shira. You can cancel your membership at any time within the 30 days and you won't pay a penny, but you still get to keep your free audiobook and uh, add another password to your many long list of passwords. So just go to spoilerpodcast.co.uk, click on the Audible trial ad on the left-hand side. We get a few quid each time someone signs up via our link, which will help keep our producer Johnny supplied with lederhosen and schnitzel. Now, back to the show. It's pure pornography. But of course it is, darling. Welcome back. You're listening uh, to Spoiler, and we are discussing Bob Fosse's 1972 musical Cabaret. Uh, now, Rotten Tomatoes gave this 97%, and Roger Ebert said that this is no ordinary musical. Part of its success comes because it doesn't fall for the old cliche that musicals have to make you happy. He's right about that, isn't he? <laughs> and from my point of view. Um, <laughs> um, but actually, do you know what? There was the. the I don't know. I'm, I'm. You know, there were charming bits in it, but it's. For me, a lot of it comes down to the initial bit of Sally. I think there's, there's a, a deeper character there to be to be explored, or maybe she just is that shallow, and that's probably why she is, and you're shaking your head at me, Rachel. She's just that shallow. <laughs> but it, I'm going to push it further and just say that if you ever have two radios on in the house, and one might be a digital radio, uh, and one might be like a normal transistor radio and you have in the kitchen, and maybe you're listening to digital radio on the telly, but they're on the same station, and then you find yourself in between it, and it's just that half a second delay. <laughs> It's so annoying that, and that's how, that <laughs> is how annoying. Wow, Tally, I know I've given this some thought, haven't I? Can I just ask, what do you think of the character Holly Go Lightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's? If you've ever watched that, oh, look at my face, right? Do I you look like a watched man? It. Not... I'm going to tell you never to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> She's, is it, she uh, is like Holly Go Lightly. Is it, is it as annoying as Deep Blue Something's Breakfast at Tiffany's? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I love really? Breakfast at Tiffany's. But the thing is, but you, not, you hang have on, no, to... no, 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 I need to pull you up here. Sorry, oh, I need to pull on. you up. You're going on to a good pull point, but I need to pull you up and make sure. That's not deep blue. Something's breakfast at Tiffany's. No, right. It's not. So it's easy, easy for me because I can't stand either the film or the song. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's one for a feature. Maybe so. This would be a good one. No, no, um, no. I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Sally, uh, Sally and Holly. Um, I think they've got certain mental health issues, and um, I would say Sally is classic borderline personality disorder. Um, well, the don't whole... know you make me feel, feel bad. Yeah, I see. I'm, that's what I want to do. So... <laughs> so go back and watch it with some sympathy. No. But, um, <laughs> but no, she she is very, very typical. And um, well, certainly she's very Holly Golightly. And this whole idea, she's very fake on the surface because she hasn't got daddy's love.
love, as we know. Her dad completely ignores her and has no time for her whatsoever. She thinks nothing of herself at all. She thinks she's nothing. And so she puts on this bravado and this whole fake persona. This divine darling and everything else, which is what Holly Golightly is like. You know, she thinks she's this femme fatale. And Brian has this brilliant line, and I've written it down. They're having a bit of an argument. They've been with Max, and she's, you know, he's telling her off basically for trying to be this femme fatale. You're about as fatale as an after dinner mint. (laughs) And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. In fact, my housemate nearly spat out his tea. (laughs) And and it's absolutely right. She is such a flake. But inside, she's so lost. And actually, you know, with this whole thing about when she got pregnant and she wasn't sure who the father was, there was a real chance for her then to maybe have a life. But when there was, when they went to the wedding of some people, two people were very much in love and they could see that. And you could see that Brian was thinking that's what a wedding should be. And then they're sat in this Everglade and it's all really lovely. And But he's completely away with the fairies and she's looking at him thinking, this is my life. He's not really in love with me. He, it's, this isn't real. And... She could feel it slipping away, so she has the abortion. That's how I interpret it. But she has to give this reason of I'm selfish and I'm this and I'm that, when actually it's all to do with her fear of being abandoned again. Mm, yeah. So I think she's got an awful lot of depth to it. I think she really has, and I think she acts it very well as well. I mean, the fact you're annoyed by her yeah. proves what a brilliant you, actress I, I she do. is. I understand yeah, it. I understand it. Mm. Sorry, Paul. No, no, no. I was no, going to say, uh, you were annoyed by the character. Did you think it was a bad performance? No, no, I, I, I completely understand. Mm. Um, you know, the, 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 the spotlight that's been put on Liza Minnelli for this. Um, I, you know, I... It, she did it too well. So let's look at some of the other characters then, Rachel. And I, I think um, you were keen on bringing this up, which was uh, Fritz and Natalia, wasn't it? Oh, you know, yeah. and, and, and so there's, there's more depth to be had here, surely. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, in stage play, actually, the focus was more on two older people, but they brought it into two younger people for the film. And um, yeah, I thought, even though it's only a, quite a small subplot, really, but it was an important one. And Fritz was an incredibly sympathetic character because he was... At the beginning, you think, gold digger. Yeah, well, gold exactly. digger. that's what I was thinking. But actually, he fell in love with, with Natalia so quickly. He was so enamoured with her. And so much so that, you know, he came out announcing he was Jewish in a place where he knew that could actually end up getting you killed. Mm, yeah. You know, that's the depth of his love for the woman. And she was, I loved her. absolutely <laughs> love Natalia because she's so sweet. And the way she's so innocent and the way she's trying to learn English and say it all properly and... And she's just adorable, absolutely adorable. And when she gets um, Sally around to talk about the fact that Fritz has pounced on her <laughs> and what to do about it, she's just lovely. She's such a sweet character. Yeah, she was good. I think uh, in a certain circle of my friends, we might say that the boy was batting above his average there. Yes. <laughs> um, so propping up throughout all this film, occasionally just coming on camera for no apparent reason with a powdered face, sticking his tongue out, whatever, um, is is the MC guy of the cabaret, uh, the Kit Kat Club, um, What's that about, Andy? Yeah, as you say, Paul, central to the importance of the entire <laughs> film. The, uh, the MC makes uh, welcome appearances throughout. That's a way of looking at uh, it. Well, I the Academy certainly thought so. They they awarded him the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. And, really? Uh, and I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. he, beat, he beat three cast members of The Godfather, including Al Pacino, to that My. Oscar, which uh, which is is very a very contentious point. But I mean, I think he is brilliant. It's it's a part like you don't usually see in anything else and it's almost as if he isn't real because apart from those performances the characters don't interact with him or talk about him or anything he is kind of the greek chorus kind of figure 
Hey, uh, and and that's that's the function of the the cabaret really. It's it's the the Greek chorus to the rest of the film, and I think I think he's he's a brilliant performance. I mean, he, to me, he's kind of he almost feels like a magical thing. He's like Puck from mm. A Midsummer Night's Dream, and I think the only the only person he really interacts with from the main cast is, is Liza Minnelli when she's up on stage doing this, this uh, these performances with him. Uh, and I, yeah, I just I just think he's great. He's uh, he's you don't quite know what to make of him. Is he a, a sort of malevolent figure, or is he a sympathetic one, or unnecessary? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's the he string. Beat Al, he beat Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> Al Pacino, James Caan, and Robert Duvall. No, but it's not as shocking. It's not as shocking as Tommy Lee Jones winning for the Fugitive <laughs> <laughs> over Ray Fiennes in Schindler's List. <laughs> not even, not even for that when he stands up and does that speech where he says, "I want to check every in-house, out-house, and dog-house in three miles of this area." Not that bit. It's not even. That. You're kidding me. <laughs> Talk to Rachel for like half an hour, and she will bring the conversation back round to that injustice. Oh, I, st- I'm, I haven't got over it yet. It's terrible. Now, as we've heard, musicals can be divisive. Some people love them, and uh, those people aren't getting any more biscuits from me. Some (laughs) people absolutely despise them. Pat on the back. Now, a cabaret has been touted as the ideal musical for people who hate musicals. They were wrong. And Rachel is convinced that if you look hard enough, the genre really does have something for everyone. I was happily watching a film with my housemate the other day. We were both enjoying it in a happy, comfortable silence, when out of the blue a chord was struck and the lead character flung out her arms. Before she'd even managed to sing a note, my housemate groaned in disgust and barked at me, is this a musical? Just to emphasise the point, please imagine the word musical being said as if speaking about persistent dog fouling or stale vomit. Needless to say, he lasted about two seconds and went off to do something more interesting that didn't involve 4-4 time, a heel ball change and a couple of jazz hands. My housemate loves films and he loves music, but he really doesn't like the way musicals combine the two. He bemoans the lack of authenticity. Seriously, who just burst into song like that? And the sometimes cheesy lyrics. More than anything, he hates a cockney cheeky chappy with a penchant for side heel clicks and a pair of braces. Wave a little bit. I get it, I really do, but I absolutely love musicals, and the more colourful and unauthentic, the better. I find myself going the other way with musicals and wishing I could burst into song or dance down the street in real life. Really, why is that considered unacceptable? Anyway, I've made it my mission to find some musicals for my housemate to fall in love with, so his first instinct, when a band strikes up, isn't to run and hide. Cabaret is a well-known musical for people who hate musicals, principally because the characters sing when they realistically should do. But are there any others? As an avid musical lover, I have sought out a few non-pizzazzy movie musicals that are most likely to satisfy the ardent musical hater. We start, as many of my film lists do, with Jim Henson's Labyrinth. It appears on first inspection to follow a lot of the musical haters' rules of hate, Characters burst into song, dance around and express themselves through questionable lyrics. But the whole thing is unreal, so it doesn't feel jarring when Bowie's Goblin King suddenly starts You Remind Me of the Babe. If anything, you'd be disappointed if he didn't crack a tune or two. You remind me of the babe. A babe with power. Power of voodoo. You do. Does it have to be human? Little Shop of Horrors works in a similar way, by basing itself in an entirely implausible version of our own world, where a carnivorous alien plant makes plans to take over the world. If you can suspend your disbelief to accept that much, 
and you really can't quibble over the aforementioned plant belting out a cracking cell number at the sight of attempting drop of blood. Animation and puppet-based characters seem to get away with singing at random far more easily than their human counterparts. Most people are more than happy for a cafe kitchen full of singing puppet rats to start dancing on frying pans or stop-motion skeletons to break into catchy tunes about the joys of Christmas. Muppets Take Manhattan and The Nightmare Before Christmas are surely enjoyable for even the hardest of musical-hating hearts. I mean, come on, it's a rat peddling a hand whisk. That's pretty winsome. You don't have to go all fantastical to get away with putting songs in a story, though. The award-winning musical Once is a very realistic indie musical about two musicians, a guitarist and a pianist, who inspire each other to produce beautiful music. The majority of the songs come when you would expect them to, but there are a couple that come in less realistic settings. However, the lead characters are musicians. They express themselves best through that medium, so it's not surprising when they sing to themselves. Water's Cry Baby isn't really a fantasy, as unrealistic as it may be, but the songs work, as there is a definite feel of parody about each number. The lyrics are gently mocking of the genre, while also good enough to sing along to. A young Johnny Depp steals every scene he's in as a James Dean-esque crybaby, and there's some hilarious turns from Ricky Lake and Iggy Pop. I would strongly recommend this one, and its cousin Hairspray, for anyone who thinks musicals are saccharine. blanket hate of movie musicals is ill-advised for the avid film lover. What they probably mean is that they hate musicals where people tap dance, clutch their hearts and generally overact. There are a vast amount of musicals that include none of these features, and by dismissing a film for its genre, they are denying themselves a whole world of sometimes fantastical, often moving, and nearly always magical stories. Suck it up, haters, and find your musical. There's one for everyone, if you just look hard enough. Okay, thanks for that, Rachel. And uh, we're back now in the studio with the whole gang back together. And as we stroll towards the end uh, of, uh, of us discussing uh, Cabaret, uh, I think there, there's a scene in there which I think um, none of us are going to disagree on, which is two double negatives. Um, in, uh, But it's necessary. <laughs> uh, but I, th- I think that um, the Tomorrow uh, Belongs to Me scene uh, where uh, one... Nazi sympathiser, we could call it, or just mm-hmm. outright Nazi. Yes, uh, uh, were stood up and started singing uh, that, that particular tune, and everyone joined it. And it's kind of, what was disturbing for me was how, how just how rousing it was. Mm. And I, I thought that was, you know, out of all this, as I said earlier on, there are bits in this um, that you know really, really stood out. Obviously, Liza Minnelli's performance, but this too, just how rousing that was, and how disturbing. It, it was to see such a mm. thing, uh, and I, you know that that places it in in a period of time. And I understood at that point as well just how brave. I don't know if brave is the right word. I'm going to say it though because I hope you know what I mean by it. That 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 it was, you know, um, as we mentioned at the top of the program, you know, this was um, not so much time after uh, the end of the Second World War that this was put out, and it, it does seem powerful. And that's very powerful. I thought what I actually picked up on when I watched it recently was the long car journey which didn't make a lot of sense to me years ago but it's a very long car journey out of Berlin and I think half of that is to show you just how far into the country the rise of the Nazis has got you know they're right in really in rural but Germany they're they're way away from the city and um, you know it's just a nice sunny day everyone's drinking beer or and this young boy stands up starts singing and there is a reluctance at the start I think there's a oh 
oh, and everyone's yeah. just sort of seriously looking at him. And then somebody else joins in, two more young people. And um, and then it just builds and builds until until they're all singing, apart from, like, there's an old guy and you can just see he's, like, world-weary and, oh, God, here we oh. go. You know, I'm not joining him with this. And I think the worst bit of it is when, when the arm starts to come up into the into yeah. that salute. Yeah. Oh, God, it just sends chills through you. Mm-hmm. And then when Michael York's character, you know, says to Maximilian, do you still think you can control them? And it's like, you really can't. Mm. It's like, obviously, we know what's coming. And um, and you can see how it happened, how it just infiltrated. And it's it's terrifying. Mm. And the propaganda as well, back at the um, the, the boarding flats or mm. whatever, uh, where they were stopping and, the you know, the people reading the, the newspapers and, and the, that, that mm. you know, racist or, or racist propaganda, really, that, that's bringing about the hatred towards Jews, you know, yeah. and they're saying, well, you know, they're looking at a newspaper. And that the, the frustrating thing for me was I realised that actually that still goes on today. You know, oh, it, completely. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that was quite quite depressing uh, more so than, than the songs uh, Andy <laughs> Andy so let's, let's leap towards the end uh, of the film now I mean obviously you, you, you both enjoyed it but how, how was the end for you were you, were you pleased with the way it turned out I, I quite liked the ending it was uh, quite it surprised me a little bit when I first saw it because it's quite sort of abrupt but there's a I mean you, it's this, this final image where the, the MC bows out he leaves the stage and then reflected in the symbol you see the audience and you see that you see Nazis peppered throughout the mm, audience yeah. and it's I mean the, the the Tomorrow Belongs to Me scene is quite disturbing because it, it's the first time in the, the film where the Nazis almost take over the screen it's sort of a, you see the rise of Nazism in the background of the film but then they're, they're totally there but then at the end of the film when you see them mixed into the crowd like that it's even more disturbing for me because you can see the infiltration they've they're now it's almost like they're holding the audience in check mm-hmm. and for the first time like in in the film it's just total silence and the credits roll over total silence mm-hmm. which is highly unusual unusual mm-hmm. for a musical yeah and that's that's very chilling i mean in the last show we talked about sitting through an entire end, end credits scene i did it again in cabaret and it is just a, a freeze frame and, and total silence but it's it just holds you in thrall at that moment because you you're so kind of uh, you're so taken with that last image or I was anyway. No, absolutely, me too. And it was in complete contrast to the start when when he was doing the Phil Common yeah. section and there's one Nazi yeah. um, in in the club and he gets thrown out immediately. Um, obviously, the repercussions of that is he is the person that throws him out, gets beaten up. But now there are how many in the audience and nobody's throwing them out and it's like they're part of it now and it's it's chilling and yeah the fact that the credits got without music it's like yeah they're going to silence the music they're going to silence it yeah and um yeah and the mc saying goodbye as well because he introduced us he said welcome and he's saying goodbye so he needs to he's the bookends as well and i I do like the fact that he kind of scurries off it's like I'm I'm out of here before this before the before it gets real, <laughs> yeah. you know. I'm out, and um, yeah, I think it's a very good ending. Okay, well, I'm going to leave it at that because I think I think you both perhaps put it in a better way than I could. Um, so the scoring system. See, you know, I like, I like gongs. I like gongs a lot. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> that's exactly the right reply. Thank well, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, since Johnny, our twice Radio Academy Award nominated producer, um, he's going to look at him, wake up with a start now. Um, we're going to verbally say the word gong or pop, um, and Johnny's going to replace it with a sound effect. Rachel. So I have to cho- I have to choose a. <laughs> Sorry. How hard is it? I like the noise of a. <laughs> it, is, it is. It is funny. I knew this would throw you. I knew it. Can I have both? 
<laughs> like, good on chong. Okay, yes, you can go. Can, for I, it. can I have that, please, Johnny? <laughs> Um, Andy. <laughs> um, I'd like to, to send Johnny on another quest for some more sound effects, but I'll, I'll stick with the system. No, no, um, go for it. Now, what, what do you think? You send, you send a term. You know, we've all brought 50p and we're playing, we're playing our board games here. We've brought our own clothes. Um, can you those those old, those old little, little like green whistles that go... Yeah. One of them. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah well, we're getting nods from through the glass, so this is good. And, um, yeah. Oh. Me, please, please. <laughs> uh, and as we mentioned there, it is uh, end of term, uh, last one of this series. So um, if you tuned in for any of this or any previous series, thank you very much. Um, so now it's time for Andy's musical quiz. Okay, so we're ready for the, the musicals quiz then. Oh, we, we are, just to a point, just to a, I, I want a, a point, thank you. It looks like you're trying to host the show here. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, we need to take issue. It's happened with the producer before, and I, I need to uh, I need to beat you back down, I think. <laughs> Car- sorry, carry on. Of course, <laughs> if he wins this quiz, then, you know. Yeah, yeah, then I'll yeah, be as happy, well, happy as can be. I've tried to, to make it a, a bit fair. I mean, we uh, the first quiz we had was the classical music quiz where me and Paul just sat like lemons, and Rachel <laughs> had to hand us the answers practically. Uh, second one we did was the Disney quiz where I just cleaned up and sat in silence. Yes. Oh, yes, that's exactly what you'd say, yes. Uh, so I've tried to, to make it fairer. This time we've got allocated questions for each oh, contestant. Excellent. Stitch uh, up, stitch up. Ra- <laughs> Rachel, your your songs come a bit more from the sort of more classical era oh, of the, okay. uh, the musical and um, Paul, yours are a bit more modern. So uh, Okay, I can't remember Depeche Mode the musical, but let's, <laughs> let's give it a go. Okay, so to each, so uh, all I want from you is is what the name of the musical is of the song this oh, came from. Thank God you don't want the year it's made. No, <laughs> or not the title of the song or anything, just oh, the okay. name of the musical. Okay. So, uh, question one is for Rachel. Bless your beautiful hide wherever you may be. We ain't met yet, but I'm willing to bet you're the gal for me. Do you know what I think? If you get me long enough, I might have got it. <laughs> Brilliant. Awesome. That's Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. It is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Now, if you ever want to see a truly awful musical film, <laughs> I think that's it's one, I think it's one of the dodgiest lyrics yeah, ever. I mean, that, that, that song, I, I can't stand the film, but that song comes right at the beginning. And if it's ever on telly, I always tune in for that because it's so audaciously offensive, but so delightfully catchy at the same time. <laughs> I'll look that up on Spotify later. <laughs> okay, Paul, so uh, here's your first clip then. Excellent. It's just a jump to the left. Put your hands on your hips. Okay, now we did this at Cinderella Rockefeller uh, back in 1990. <laughs> um, and that is... Rocky Horror Picture Show. It is the Rocky Horror Get Picture it. Show. That's Woo! one apiece. And it's, isn't that a musical illustrative yeah. of how Cabaret was a game changer? That That's wouldn't have true. happened. That's it? true. That's true. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> well done, Andy. Okay, Rachel. Slightly more difficult one for oh, you, no. number two. With this light brown derby and this bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yen, so I counted to ten, then I. Well, everyone's digging away. Yeah. Oh, I like this. 
Is it Meet Me in St. Louis? It is Meet Me in St. Louis. Mm. Directed yeah, by Vincente Minnelli, Liza's father. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even note that connection down, yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Calamity Jane. <laughs> and who was that singing? Judy Garland. Yeah. No extra points, but... No. Oh, <laughs> have another biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. How far am I out with Calamity Jane? Miles. Uh, well, it's wrong, yeah. so... <laughs> yeah, That's as far out as you can be. <laughs> 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 um, but but this is the one that's important to get right, Paul. So, uh, okay. so here's your second. Okay. Should we blame the government or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? No, blame Canada! Blame Canada! With all their beady little eyes and clapping heads are full of lies. Blame Canada! Blame Canada! We need to form a full assault! Okay, so instinct drew me towards, and this isn't my answer. You're not okay. going to get all um, okay. No, 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 no. I, I won't until you, don't you have say to this is my, my first answer. No, I was going with World America Team Police or something like that from the same thing. Well, it's the same people, isn't it? And it was South Park. It was. It was yes. South Park bigger, longer than uncut, but I'll accept South Park. I'm really glad you didn't ask me that one. <laughs> <laughs> you just look completely blank there. Do you know what? I don't know if you're saying that to make me feel better or not. I am, yeah. <laughs> So, so the, the tension's mounting then. Uh, uh, I hope one of you gets these next ones wrong because I haven't got a tiebreaker or anything. Uh, uh, Rachel, is, is your third one. Okay. A man's got a heart, hasn't he? Joking apart, hasn't he? And the Well, she's miming along already, I'm afraid, Paul. Oh. I'm finding it hard to be really as black. As they pay, I'm reviewing the situation. <laughs> you're just enjoying that. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Really? That's, that's Ron Moody as Fagan in Oliver. It is, yeah. And <laughs> I, I just wanted that one in there because I think that's one of the most underrated songs oh, in the Oh, me too. It's my favourite. For what it's worth, I'd have probably guessed at that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you would, Paul. <laughs> no, no, no. But, okay, so. Third, third one then so you're going for the tie then Paul so you can work out with your head held high if you can get this clip number three oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> brilliant Well, what kind of person would I be? I mean, bearing in mind, I've never seen Singing in the Rain, and I know you two hold that against me. You know, I don't think you'll ever think I'm a, a fully rounded human being until I do, um, which makes me want to not see it all the more. Uh, that is, of course, uh, the Blues Brothers, which I think, I think Andy makes everyone a winner just because we've heard that. How about it? Does, that? Yeah, yeah. So actually, does that mean I like musicals if I like that? Yeah. Oh, um, it's a very unusual musical again, isn't it? But, uh, but I think it, it technically is, isn't it? It's a musical, yeah. In fact, yeah, they burst, they dance in they, the street and yeah, everything. So yeah. Old-fashioned, yeah. you know, way jazz hands. <laughs> so it's hopefully yet, Paul. That's debatable. So, well, thank you uh, very much for putting that quiz together, Andy. Thank you both uh, for all your contributions towards the programme. And, of course, thank you uh, to uh, Johnny Behind the Glass uh, for producing this, the second series of Spoiler. We hope you enjoyed it half as much as we put it together, but that wouldn't, I don't know. No, we hope you enjoyed it twice as much yes. <laughs> as we enjoyed putting it together and then it will make it all worthwhile. Uh, we'll leave you as ever uh, with a poem from the genial Andy Goulding. Life's a cabaret old chum, declared Liza Minnelli. This decadent philosophy plays havoc with my belly. The moment I first heard those words, my stomach content shifted. For when it comes to music, I am notably ungifted.
My early misadventures on the primary school recorder led to many brutal scenes of panic and disorder. Make it stop, the teacher cried above the pandemonium. He sounds like an asthmatic who's ingested a euphonium. From that day forth, my teacher would emphatically insist. He couldn't hold a tune if it was handcuffed to his wrist. And yet I flouted her advice and set my sights still higher. At comprehensive school, I tried to get into the choir. I still remember everybody at that first audition. How peaceful they all looked in the recovery position. If life's a cabaret, I guess there's not much hope for me. I cannot sing, I cannot play, therefore I cannot be. It's quite alright for Liza, or for Meatloaf, or for Ridian. Alas, my throat is home to the proverbial amphibian. It's time that I relinquish this philosophy, methinks. If life's a cabaret, old chum, then I'll be serving drinks. What good is sitting alone in the room? You've been listening to Spoiler, hosted by me, Paul Tyler, with Andy Goulding and Rachel Burnett. Our theme music was composed by Ron Butcher, with additional music from the Cabaret original soundtrack. If you've enjoyed the show and would like to support us, you can go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, click on the donate button and give us whatever you think we're worth. You can also sign up for a free 30-day trial with Audible and get yourself a free audiobook by going to spoilerpodcast.co.uk and clicking on the Audible trial banner on the left-hand side. Now, alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, do it via the links on our website and we'll get a few pennies commission to help us keep us supplied with the coffee and vegan biscuits. Or you can help us out by simply telling your friends about us, sharing links to our show, or writing a nice review on iTunes. This is time... For celebrating right this way, your table's waiting. Next time on Spoiler, we're taking a look at the 2009 British sci-fi drama, Moon. Cardi. Yes, Sam. Is there someone in the room with us? Sam, get some sleep. If you'd like to contact us about that or anything else, you can email hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter or Facebook or go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hall and is a Joe Schmo production. The show was recorded at the studios of Siren FM in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln. Here life is beautiful. The girls are beautiful. Oh. Um.